devices, whatever you read with uh, for Scripture, turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8 is what we're going to read. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, I love that he knows that about himself. (laughs) Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God grant justice to those chosen ones who cry to him day and night, will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. This Sunday is the first Sunday in Lent, and it's a time for self-reflection. I said earlier, we often come and it's, we're celebrating. Sunday is, is, is time for celebration. Every Sunday is like a mini Easter. It's mini resurrection Sunday, okay? But during Lent, we kind of slow down and we take a look at the world around us. We take a look at our own lives and and sometimes we have this need to come and confess and, and to name what's wrong in our world and to name what's wrong in our own lives. And so over these uh, Lent is 40 days, not including Sundays, right? We've, we've clarified that. We were setting up a kid's uh, advent calendar and uh, if you're, anyway, you count 40 days, not including Sundays. During this time, we will be confessing some of the the major things that are wrong in our world. We'll be talking about injustice, unbelief, violence, greed, lust, and pride. These are just a few of the ways our world is broken. And each Sunday we will be confessing some of these things, but doing, I hope, more than just confessing. We will be responding, okay? So each week there will be some information either in the bulletin or in the gathering area, some ways that we can become more aware of the world around us and what's happening, some of the broken places and and some of the opportunities for us to act to relieve some of those things, to be working and partnering with God and what God is doing in the world. One of the ways that we will also have opportunity to respond, if you, if you got a bulletin, uh, hopefully you got a bulletin, there's a black strip of paper in there that's not in there by accident, and I think if you didn't get that, um, maybe I'll tap a couple of our young people. We do have some extra young-ish, 
Thanks, John. Um, there's some black strips of paper back on the, the table back there. I want you to hold on to that. We will pull that out a little bit later uh, in our service. Um, each week we'll have a chance to reflect on our own lives and on the life of the church and to confess areas where we are complicit with sin and brokenness, either in the things that we do or the things that we, we know we should do that we don't, okay? Uh, and you'll be able to write some of those things down on the paper. It doesn't matter if you can't read it. Um, I know it's, it's black paper, so your pen or pencil may or may not show up on it. We're not going to be collecting these and trying to figure out who wrote down which sin or, or whatever. It's between you and God. That's not our purpose to figure out which one goes with whom. We're not going to be deciphering handwriting or anything. And at the end of the service, we will have an opportunity as we, as we leave to bring those up, and we're going to be adding them to our cross up here, which has started to collect some of our confession, some of our brokenness. And as we go through Lent, this will be collecting with the blackness of our sin and brokenness of our own lives and of the world. And so I imagine by uh, Good Friday, this will be completely covered in our sin and brokenness. Some other ways that we have to respond is through a few events that we have coming up through this time of Lent. On Palm Sunday is when we celebrate our love feast and communion. Uh, that's a seven, no, I'm sorry, 545 service uh, on April 14th. We come together to remember that we are servants of Jesus and also servants one to another. We come to remember that Christ's body and blood were broken and poured out for each of us. And so we remember those things at love feast and communion. On Good Friday, we have a service at 7 o'clock in which this cross in all of its blackness and darkness will kind of take center stage, uh, collecting, uh, representing all of the, the sin that came together that Jesus absorbed into himself on the cross. And then we will have Resurrection Sunday, and by Resurrection Sunday, all this blackness and darkness will be gone, and we'll invite you to bring a flower for yourself, for your family, and to add those onto our cross. It's a symbol of new life and, and new hope that we have because of the resurrection. And so there will be a lot of symbolism happening with this cross over this time of Lent. As we come this morning and talk a little bit more about these scriptures, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Would you speak to us this morning through me or despite me? In your name we pray. Amen. This morning we are talking about injustice. All right, it's a big term and we're going to flesh out a little bit of what this means. But one of the central attributes of God is justice. God is holy, God is loving, God is peaceful, but God is also just. And we are created in the image of this just God. And so I think 
part of what it means for us to be created in God's images, humanity seems to have this inborn sense of justice or fairness. Even those who aren't following Jesus, aren't in relationship with Jesus, don't even know who God or Jesus is, seem to have a sense of right and wrong, of just and unjust, of fair and unfair, right? But because we are fallen, broken people, that sense of justice is often also broken or distorted. In fact, often it's a very self-centered understanding of justice or fairness. And I judge what's fair based on how it affects me. Is it fair to me or unfair to me? Do I think it's just to me or not? Okay? We have this self-centered understanding of fairness. Often we've left justice up to government rulers or uh, kings, queens, presidents, courts to administer justice. In our broken, fallen world, they are supposed to be the administers of justice. Romans 13 talks a little bit about that. But earthly government at its best is usually making the most of a bad situation. The people are not all in relationship with God. People are not all seeking justice together, and so there has to be someone to maintain order. And we often settle for retributive justice, making sure everyone gets what they deserve, or making things even according to what a judge or a court decides, rather than justice which seeks to restore relationship. At its core, biblical justice is about being in right relationship. We often use the words in, in the church uh, justified or, or righteous, and we talk about our righteousness or Jesus' righteousness. And what that means is our relationship with God. Are we in right relationship with God? But justice can also happen when we are in right relationship with one another, with our neighbors, okay? At the heart, justice is relational. There's lots of places in Scripture that we could go to talk about justice, but it features prominently in the prophet Isaiah, so we're going to take a look there. We read from Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 20. It started out, the vision of Isaiah, son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. You thought we were done with those kings and with those names since we were finished with chronicles, but here they are again. Isaiah goes on to explain why things have gone so wrong in Judah. Verses 12 through 15 have this to say. When you come to appear before me, who asks this from your hand? Trample my courts no more, bringing offerings as futile, incense as an abomination to me, new moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. In other words, their times of corporate public worship. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. 
I read that scripture this week and I was like, man, wait, hold on. Didn't we just talk about like through the whole series of Chronicles how central worship is? And here Isaiah's saying, God's tired of it. But I want you to understand a little bit about what Isaiah is criticizing. What God is tired of. It's not worship. Because these people aren't really coming and worshiping. See, worship is coming and, and basking in, in the glory of, of God of coming and for us meeting with, with Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit in order that we are transformed so we go out and we live and act differently. But these people are coming into the temple and they're, they're praying their prayers and they're singing their songs and they're offering their sacrifices and they're turning around. And they're going right back out into the world and they're mistreating people. They don't care about the marginalized and the oppressed. They don't care about anyone. They aren't seeking right relationship. And so what are they doing in the temple? It's not really worship because they're not being transformed by that experience. I have to confess to you that I have this fear as a pastor. I preach and I teach and I, you know, we, I do the baptisms, and, and I do the, the love feasts and the communions and, and the, the funerals and, and all of those things, which are great. But if I do this for my life, this is my calling. If I get to the end of my ministry, will this community look the same? Will it make a difference? God, forgive me. See, there will always be injustice in our world until the kingdom of God becomes fully present, fully manifest. There will always be things that are not quite right. Jesus said, you will always have the poor with you. That's not Jesus going, don't do anything about it. Okay, it's not throwing up your hands and go, what can I do? There's just this huge injustice in the world. No, no, it's not throwing up our hands, saying, oh, well. Helen Keller has this to say about what we can do. She said, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something I can do. We each can make a little difference in the big picture of injustice. By seeking right relationship, by helping those that we come in contact with, by becoming aware of the need in our world. And then we act in faithfulness, living out our faith, not just showing up to the, to the temple, not just bringing your offering, not just going through the motions, but being transformed by that experience in order to partner with God and what God is doing in the world. Scripture that we read from Luke, that's Luke chapter 18, so you can flip over there in your Bibles. Luke chapter 18. There's this story of this widow who is pleading with the judge for justice. She wants things to be made right. She's lost her means of support. Um, by the way, sometimes I think in our world, we think you know a widow is uh, 
she must have been really old. I don't know. But they got married so young in those biblical times. So there, we have no idea how old she is. She may be a very young woman, and she's lost her means of support. She's really kind of seen as a burden on her family, uh, whether that's her husband's family or if she's sent back to her own family. Her family may have to uh, refund the bride price. That's kind of, we don't think about that, but the husband's family has paid something for her, uh, and they may have to refund that. That's kind of weird. So she's become a burden on her family. And she keeps coming to this judge who ignores the woman. He's hoping that she'll just give up. She'll, she'll stop coming and complaining. Some have understood this parable just about being persistent in prayer. And certainly there is an issue of being persistent in prayer in this parable. But I want you to understand what she's being persistent for. She's not just coming and saying, God, man, I really need a new car. And keep coming day in and day out saying, I really need a new car. God, God, you hear? I really need a new car. She's coming and asking for justice. She knows that God at his core is just, that he cares about the oppressed. And so she's praying in line with what she knows God cares about. And it's this justice that she keeps coming and asking for, begging for, pleading for. I wonder how many times does the church ignore the cries for justice from those who are oppressed and marginalized. I have to confess to you. Sometimes, especially during the summer, there's a guy or a gal down on Park Drive. What's that? Parkside restaurant? Asking for food or a job or something. Now, I know there's all kinds of ways, and, and we could talk about it, the, the exact situation, and, and, and we could make all kinds of excuses. Oftentimes, I, I've either been at the, the church all day uh, or visiting people, and I want to get home to my family and eat supper, or, or else I'm coming from home, and I've got a meeting to get to, and, and I drive right by, and I ignore them. Somebody else will take care of them. I got a schedule. I, I, I don't have any cash in my wallet. I don't have time to stop and pick something up at Wendy's for me. I, I mean, I make up all kinds of excuses. And I ignore that need right in front of me. But eventually the judge, with no regard for God or people, he gives in to the woman. And Jesus says, if this judge finally gives in, will God not grant justice? He goes on to say, I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will God find faith in his people? But I want you to understand something about this word faith here. In Greek, it's pistis. Okay? And it carries with it the meaning of fidelity, faithfulness, allegiance. In other words, it's not just saying we believe in something. It's acting it out. 
so that your, your actions match your beliefs. It's, in other words, it's not just coming to the temple on Saturday or the church on Sunday and offering up your prayers and your sacrifice and singing the songs and going through the motions. It's living it out. And that's what Jesus wants to know. When he comes, what is he going to find? Will God find his church living faithfully? Look, when we talk about injustice, injustice is like, it's a word and and it represents so many different things. There's all kinds of injustice in our world. So when you think of injustice, what things come to mind? Situations, people. I'm asking for a response. I know that doesn't happen uh, often. So what things come to mind when you think of injustice? Abortion. Innocent people in jail. Robberies. Sex trafficking. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in a couple weeks. Selling drugs. Sweatshops. Racism. All right. Yeah. It might look like assuming things about people of a certain skin color. It might be thinking those without enough income are there through some fault of their own, lazy or they're, they're on drugs or something. It may look like ignoring the hidden working poor in Hershey. See, we can do something, and we're called to do something about it. One of those things is to become aware of the situations happening in our own community, to become aware of systemic injustice around us. Another thing that we can do is confess our own role that we play in those institutions. Jen said sweatshops. But, but I have to confess that I probably have clothes that somebody didn't make a fair living making. So we're all parts of those systems. We can pray. Often we think prayer is like the last resort. Well, I can't do anything other than pray. But see, this woman in this parable in in Luke, she is coming day in and day out and pleading her case, pleading for justice, begging. Jesus says, look, if the, if the judge who doesn't care anything about God or people hears, isn't God going to hear? We can come and we can pray. We can support the Food Bank and Love, Inc., VHA. We can contribute to one great hour of sharing. You have uh, some information about that in your bulletin as well. And over this Lenten season, there will be some other inserts in your bulletin or there will be some... Um, tables with information out in the gathering area of other ways that you can respond to some of the things that are happening in our community or in our country or in the larger world.
we can do something. One of those things that we need to do, though, is confess. And so if you have your black strip of paper, so do we have some other people that need these? Two things I want you to write down on this paper. The first is when you think of injustice, what injustice in the world grieves you the most? Just when you hear about children needing water in in developing countries or um, abortion, what thing just grieves you the most. That's what your heart, when, when you hear the word injustice, this is where your mind goes. And write that down. Because it grieves you, but it also grieves the heart of God that these things are happening in our world. God hears the cries of those people. He hears it. And He wants to act. And He often wants to use us to act in those situations. The second thing I want you to write down is what injustice in in our community, in your everyday life, on your way to work, do you often ignore? You hope somebody else is going to deal with it. I told you mine... It's, it's driving past some of those people down by the park who, I mean, there's all kinds of ways we could probably reach out to them and uh, write that down on your, your piece of paper. At the end of the service, then on, on your way out, you can either drop them off at the back uh, with me or uh, better yet, you could leave this way by the, by the cross and just kind of fold that paper in half and put it in our cross up here. We'll be collecting these uh, throughout Lent. As you're still thinking, would you pray with me? God, you are righteous You are holy, you are loving, and you are just. You hear the cries of the oppressed. You hear the woman who's been battered and bruised. You hear the cries of those dying of malnourishment. You hear the longing of those struggling to make ends meet because they don't receive a living wage. And God, if we're honest, we've heard their cries too. God, I confess to you that I have tried to ignore the widow, the orphan, the homeless man down by the park. But their cries rise to you and they burn in my ear. Forgive me, Jesus. I can't do everything. I can't solve every problem. I can't respond to every cry 
but you can, Lord. And I can do something. And you've called us to be molded into the image of Jesus and to live it out. Forgive us, Lord, when we have turned our back on those crying out for justice. Forgive us. It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. As we come to a close in our worship service, I'm going to invite the praise team back up.